It's such good shit. Okay, I've had beers like it, and they just they don't they don't compete. It's like a it's become a thing. It's I'm very, too fat to I can't really drink beer anymore because I'm too big and I'm usually gonna die soon. Good lord. I mean, I don't drink beer that often, but when I do, it's nice to have some exclusive New Mexican beer. Well, that's sounds like you had a heck of a weekend. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome back to episode six of Such Good Shit, the wrestling podcast where the three of us who are coincidentally brothers get together and talk about all the things that make professional wrestling such good shit. Uh, so this week, we're going to start off with a recurring segment we do called Good Shit or Drizzling Shits, uh, where we talk about recent topics and we go around the table and vote, do we feel it was good shit or the drizzling shits? Um, so this week, I think we got to start off with <laughs> the big thing in the room, which is Bray Wyatt's return, uh, specifically his promo that he did on SmackDown this past Friday. Alec, let's start off with you. What are your thoughts? Um... It's mild good shit. Uh, It's still pretty early to say what the deal is. I I definitely think it was um, obviously some sort of misdirection, the whole, you know, let me show you the the real Bray Wyatt kind of thing. But I think it could lead to something potentially cool. At least we're doing something a little bit different, which is nice. And I think we all probably expected that that's what we were going to get with Bray. He doesn't really retread the same stuff. So I'm still cautiously optimistic about this whole uh, return. Yeah, this is really interesting. I do think it's really good. Um, but I find myself when I was watching it just kind of being like, is this are they just letting him do this so that he can do it? Or is this part of the the act? Like, is this going to be part of the character? But I, I suppose in a way that's good. I was entertained through the, the promo. Um, I definitely felt the emotion that he was giving out. Um, so now it really just depends on how they're going to use this. I'm really interested to see where this goes now. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the best they could do is get me interested in what's going to happen next. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was intrigued. I, I really liked his new entrance. I thought his new music was really good. It was, it was different. It wasn't exactly what I expected from him. I don't know exactly what I expected, but uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I like the promo. I like the fact that they gave him a moment to seemingly speak out of character. Um, I think time will tell whether he was in character or not, but it was really nice to kind of get to hear from the man, especially with everything that's gone on uh, since his departure and the things that have gone on in his personal life. I'm afraid that the direction that this is going in might be I don't know if predictable is the right word because with Bray Wyatt, nothing's predictable, but you know, they keep promoting or touting this whole Wyatt six thing. And they had the six different characters and we thought, okay, maybe that's six people that are coming in as part of his group. Uh, now it's looking more like it's like a split personality thing, kind of like a three faces of Foley, except it's the six faces of Wyatt or, or whatever they're going to call it. Um, it, just feels like an extension of the Firefly Funhouse because those characters essentially were extensions of his personality in one way or another. I don't know. I mean, 
they've only given us a teeny tiny morsel of what's happening, and I'm intrigued. Uh, I just hope it doesn't go in the direction of predictable and they keep us on our toes. Uh, but for me, it's such good shit. All right, so the next one we've got this week is Orange Cassidy won the All-Atlantic Championship on uh, Dynamite, I think, or is it Rampage? Either way, he won it. Uh, Andrew, you're a big Orange Cassidy fan. What you got? Uh, This is such good shit. I'm really excited that he got a championship. Um, Now, you can say what you want about the All-Atlantic Championship. It's very new, so it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, this has, like, relevance and it matters. Uh, Obviously, it's up to Orange Cassidy to make the title matter because right now it's kind of just been ju- I don't like, I mean, up until he got that match, I didn't even know who was holding the title. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. This is great though. Orange Cassidy is really great. Um, despite what people say, I do think he's believable in the ring. Uh, I think that his character is both entertaining and really solid. Uh, he's shown time and time again that he can put on really classic matches, even while doing his gimmick. Um, so this is going to be really cool. I'm really interested to see what they do with it. I'm, I'm split on this um, because on the one hand, Orange Cassie's like undoubtedly entertaining. I'm certainly like for the most part, I'm interested in the things he does, although he has gotten a little bit bland um, over the last year, sort of the way they've used him. Um, but I, I kind of agree with you, Andrew. I do think he is believable for the most part. I think my bigger... Um, and I don't want to make this too much about shitting on AEW because I know it's an Orange Cassidy segment, but my bigger concern is with the just sheer amount of championship belts they have in a company where they don't have a lot of championship material or championship level wrestlers. Um, so I, I just don't know if we need another freaking belt. Um, and Pac, say what you will about his in-ring ability. I think he's super talented, but he's certainly not over. Uh, so maybe not like the greatest, uh, flag bearer for this belt. So maybe orange Cassie can do a little bit more, put some rub on it, but I guess I'm going to say drizzling shits just in the sense that I'm not really sold on the belt having much meaning and I'm not sure what it does for orange Cassidy. I'm not sure he's the kind of guy who needs a belt quite frankly. Um, but you know, it could, could end up being good, but for now it's, it's getting a little shitty for me. Um, for me, it's, it's such good shit. Uh, I like Orange Cassidy. I, I, I've one of those people that's actually thought since the beginning when I saw his gimmick that it worked. I know there's a lot of veterans in the industry that kind of shit on it because it's not necessarily believable. It's too hokey. I think it's entertaining and I think that's what matters. And I'm glad to see him be rewarded by giving, being given a belt because look, his matches. He can go, right? Not every single match is, is one where he does, right? A lot of his, especially like the multi-man tags, he'll come and do a couple spots and he's out. But when he has his one-on-ones, the dude can go. And uh, I'm glad to see that he got rewarded for his contributions. I don't think he's going to hold the belt long-term. Honestly, I think he's probably a transitional champ. I don't know who it's going to be that takes it from him. But if he's holding that belt by the end of the year, I'd, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I, Orange Cassidy, I, I want to circle back to the whole he can go thing. I don't know where this Orange Cassidy isn't believable thing comes from. In a land where they have so many unbelievable wrestlers in terms of size and kind of 
in-ring technique. I think Orange Cassidy's stuff looks good. So I, I, I don't know if it's just the gimmick sort of, it creates an impression that he's not hitting people or not, you know, physically imposing. Cause I, I don't know. I, I feel like he always delivers impactful looking moves that look like they hurt, which is kind of the goal of this thing. And I wonder too, if orange Cassidy might not work better in WWE where they're not oversaturated with guys kind of like him. Um, yeah, I could, like I, I think he'd be that. more of like a novel act in WWE, and I, I could definitely see him getting over there. So I don't know. I, I guess that maybe that's part of my hating on the whole giving him the belt thing is I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if they're going far enough with them. I guess. Yeah, like I'm gonna have to agree with you. I think that the thing that people say about Orange Cassidy is, I guess, like those lazy kicks that he does, and and like the the lazy sort of moves and rolling out of the ring. They think like, oh, that makes him. It makes it look like wrestling is when he does that. Um, but I don't. I don't think that that's true because I mean, nobody ever like sells those kicks. I mean, think yeah. about it's the subtle things that they do. Like when he fought, when he fights Pac, every time he does. Um, especially the first time when he did those lazy kicks, Pac looked at him like, oh, look at this idiot. I'm going to knock his head off. And he sort of entertains him for a little bit. And then, boom, they had to start going. And when they had to start going, Orange Cassidy could go. And I think that that makes it so entertaining. Yeah. The danger with those kicks or like any of the stuff he does is overdoing. And I think in small doses, it can work. It can work as a tool to get your character over. In big-time matches, he shouldn't be going anywhere near it, like, period. I do think that's where you're asking me to suspend my disbelief a little too much. When you're going and fighting for a belt, he should come out on fire right away. And he does sometimes, but he also kind of goes to that stuff a little too much in the matches that matter. Um, So I, I think there's some things he can do to maybe workshop it a little bit, but I think he can keep most of his gimmick and be believable, just maybe tweak the frequency on some of the gimmicky stuff. Yeah. And you know, I do, I gotta say, I also did agree with what you said about like the title really does nothing for him. I think really more so orange Cassidy is doing something for the title and for AEW. He, the match popped a rating. The moment probably popped a lot of views on the internet. Um, and so that's all just helping AEW. I don't know if it's necessarily helping Orange Cassidy at all. Uh, but that also, you know, gives a little uh, credit to Orange Cassidy that they trusted him with something like that. All right. So the third topic we have this week. So this is kind of a little bit different than what we normally do. Normally we talk about a match or a segment or something that's happened. Uh, this one is a, uh, cl- a clip from an interview uh, that Bret Hart uh, did during a, a signing. He said, quote, Kurt Angle would have been one of my primary guys. He always wanted to work with me, and I wish I could have worked with him. I would have loved to work with Brock Lesnar just because I heard he was a good pro in the ring, the opposite of Goldberg. That's the quote. So, Bret Hart's continual burial of Goldberg. Good shit? <laughs> or the drizzling shits? Alec, you're laughing. What What do you have? It's one of those where sometimes when you're taking a shit, it starts off as a good shit, right? 
Um, and then it goes on a little too long and maybe your asshole starts to hurt a little bit. And now it's turned into the drizzling shits. And I think that's where we're at with Bret Hart bitching about Goldberg. Like, yes, Goldberg was a bastard for kicking you in the head. I feel for him. Bret Hart's one of the all-time greats. I, For me, he's my personal in-ring favorite. Um, but Goldberg's really done a lot over the years to make amends for how much of a dick he used to be. Um, I think he's done a lot to give back to the business. He's apologized over and over again. I guess, I don't know. It's hard for me to, who am I to say, like if you get kicked in the head and you've got concussion issues and it takes away the only thing you really loved in this world that I could see being bitter about it, but man, just quit harping on it, dude. It started off as good shit. It was all fun and games, but now it's certainly drizzling shits. Yeah, for me, it's it's drizzling shits just because poor Goldberg has apologized time and time again. He has, like you said, he's made amends with the wrestling industry, with a lot of guys individually in the industry. I don't know if he has with every single person that he's had issues with over the years, but the guy's definitely tried. Um, and I get it, like... Bret Hart's number one love in life is professional wrestling, and that was taken away from him prematurely by Goldberg. And so I get that, right? You have every right and reason to be angry, but it's also been over 20 years, and the guy has apologized to you time and time again. Like, just let it go, Bret. Like, let the hatred out. You know, he finally did with Vince and with Sean after Montreal. It took a long time, but we got there. I think now's the time for him to move on with Goldberg. Yeah, it, it's really sad to see this still going on, to be honest. I mean, the not just the, the interview that you're talking about, but um, even as recently, I don't know if you guys watched the documentary... Uh, that AMC had made on Goldberg this mm-hmm. season. Or A and E, I think. A&E, yes, yeah, yeah. They, those were yeah. very well done documentaries. Yeah, even in that documentary, they addressed this whole situation. Brett gets to say his his whole spiel about Goldberg, and Goldberg once again publicly apologizes in a documentary about his career about this moment. It's like the fact that he even agreed to allow that to be in a documentary about his career, Goldberg's career, that he would go over this whole moment for like 15 minutes, give his public apology, let Brett's shit be in the documentary where he buries Goldberg. It says a lot that Goldberg clearly is willing to like try to move past this and it just still isn't isn't getting fixed. And that's just kind of sad. Yeah, and I mean, shit happens in the ring too. And I'm not a professional wrestler, but many people have hurt many people on accident. Brett's own late brother, Owen, broke Austin's neck, right? Kind of took away what might have been one of the great careers ever. I mean, it probably still is the greatest career ever, but definitely shortened it from that neck injury. And, you know, you don't hear Austin bitching about it now still. You know what I mean? Um, And I'm not saying Goldberg certainly isn't Owen Hart. and He didn't have that track record of being safe with guys. He certainly hurt quite a few people, but it's not like he ended a dozen careers, right? He fucked up one time. Yeah. And another good uh, example is Tyson Kidd 
um, got injured by Samoa Joe in a, a freak accident. Um, and that's ended his in-ring career. And anytime Tyson talks about it, which isn't a lot because he's not harping on it, he doesn't have ill will towards Samoa Joe. And if he does, it's not public, right? Look, he can have any of these guys whose careers have been shortened or ended because of someone else. Look, you can you have all the right in the world to be angry, but don't make it public. Yeah, I mean, this is a thing that Brett just does, and it's it's probably the only negative thing that I can think of that Brett Hart does. He does this about it. Anytime a guy hurts another guy, he gets himself involved because he was the victim of, of such a crime. I mean, go back to Seth Rollins tentatively ending Sting's career back in 2015, I believe it was. And Brett was more upset than Sting was at the time. Like Sting was fine with it. And Brett came out and publicly got involved and made statements that made Seth Rollins really fucking mad. Well, question about the Seth Rollins thing, though. Was that, did he hurt Sting? I don't remember. Was it after the Finn Balor match or before? When he heard um, this was a year before the Finn Balor. Oh, match. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, it is kind of funny that he kind of ruined Finn Balor's career using the same fucking move, proven unsafe move, but yeah, it's a little rich for Seth Rollins to get upset about it. Right. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, I think it was just like Brett's his hero and, and Brett had to get his two cents in and basically be like Seth Rollins is dangerous. Well, while Seth Rollins, I think was still holding the title. And it was like, geez, man, that's well, fucked Seth up. Rollins did hurt himself a couple weeks that's after true. that. So, God, that's in bad taste. But Speaking of bad taste. Sometimes you take a sunset flip and blow your fucking knee out. What kind of a conundrum would it be if, let's say, FTR injured somebody? What would Brett do? <laughs> like, is he going to come out and shit on his boys? I mean, or- I don't think Brett has loyalty to anybody that injures somebody in the ring. What about Owen? I'm not going to go there. You talking about Owen Hart? Yeah. What do you What do you go? Oh, about what does he say? What, what does he said about the Austin thing in the past? I'm that sure Owen, he at least Owen messed brother. up. Yeah, oh, really. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, he like, probably privately called him a dipshit at some point. <laughs> <laughs> probably. I mean, sure. Look, if one of you guys dropped somebody on their head, I'd call you a dipshit. Look, I think for Bret Hart to harp on this, I never hurt anybody. Well, you got lucky, man. Like, I don't think anyone's going to argue that. Like, Bret Hart it was excellent, right? But no one's going to argue that Owen Hart wasn't safe in the ring and he hurt somebody. Uh, Samoa Joe's hurt quite a few people, so I'm not maybe going to use him as an example. But there's been plenty of examples of guys who have hurt someone who were known as really safe workers, so... That's all I'm trying to get across here is you got lucky that you didn't injure someone, Brett. Right. It it can happen to anybody. Um, even the safest worker can hurt someone. And unfortunately, it's a physical sport. You know, accidents can happen. That's why you got to take care of each other and, you know, try to be as safe as you can. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to our uh, our main segment uh, we are continuing to go through our top wrestler of 2025 bracket. Uh, over the last two weeks, we went through round one, uh, which consisted of 32 men and women that we thought were contenders to be the top wrestler in the year 2025. Um, so we are now in round two. We have eight matchups that we are going to go through tonight. 
uh, first match, Roman Reigns versus Britt Baker. I guess I will start. Yes. So this is this is harder than I think I thought it would be because I'm looking forward to hearing this. (laughs) So look, Roman's the top guy now. We all have acknowledged him time and time again. We're going to continue to acknowledge him into the future. You know, we we put him over John Moxley, who's arguably the top guy in AEW right now, and will probably continue to be the top guy in AEW in two and a half years. And we edged him out over him, right? Even though we feel like Roman's career is probably going to be starting to slow down by 2025. So by that logic, if we're already saying the top guy in AEW isn't good enough over Roman, then how is the top woman going to be higher up either? I'll say this for Britt on her behalf. I do think, look, I don't think she's got as much star potential as John Moxley. Moxley's got that something that's hard to describe, that innate charisma. But I think Britt Baker actually checks more of the boxes for me than John Moxley does. Um, I think consistently her ring work is better than Moxley's. I actually think she's probably a better talker than Moxley, too. But, you know, wrestling is kind of about that special something. Moxley certainly has that, and Britt does too, but maybe to a lesser extent. But I'm going to stick up for Britt here and say that I actually think she checks more of the boxes than Moxley. But for me, it's still not going to be enough to get her there over Roman. Yeah, Britt Baker's awesome. She's got so much potential. I think that she could be as impactful and as popular as somebody like Becky Lynch has become in this business. I just don't think that in two years, we're going to see that. I think the gap between her and Roman is just too damn big to ever be closed. I I just don't see it happening. Um, So, I mean, Matt, can we go ahead and give our picks here for this one? I think it's cut and dry. Yeah, let's vote it out. I'm going to start Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. I'm also going to go with Roman Reigns. All right, Roman Reigns moves on. Our next match, we've got Sami Zayn and MJF. Jesus Christ, pal. Yeah, this is maybe the toughest second round matchup. I'm just kind of looking over the bracket. Um, It's tough because... I, I, I don't think I can start us off. Andrew, can you like jump in here? Okay, I think it's been discussed into the ground how great MJF is. I think he's got more potential than anybody in this business has right now. Um, but God damn it, Sami Zayn, just every week more, we keep progressing to a point where I'm... It's it's. I don't know how hard I would have had to make a decision two weeks ago or even last week when we started this tournament. But this week it's even harder after all the work that he keeps putting in on SmackDown and then the, the appearances he makes on raw, he's just so fucking over If WWE capitalizes on it. I, I think that he could beat out MJF by 2025. I think he's going to be further along 
it just really depends on what WWE does to execute on where Sami Zayn is clearly getting to. Because he may be one of the most popular acts on TV right now. That's the tough part, though, is you're predicating this on can WWE execute on it. I mean, Sami Zayn, I mean, I don't think it's groundbreaking or like we were in on the ground floor to say that for the last five, six years, we've known Sami Zayn is one of the top two or three talents in the business, right? He's been this good for a long time, and we're only just now starting to see it. So WWE really hasn't proven that they know what to do with Sami yet. Um, so that I kind of think that's my bigger concern i mean i just checked it out from an age standpoint he's in his late 30s so he's still got plenty of runway there um we've talked about it before he's never had a bad segment that i can remember never has a bad match he can make anything work which is really unique i'm not sure mjf has that ability uh where sammy can make anything work he can make the funny stuff work he can make the serious stuff work mjf while he is light years above everyone else at certain things um, I, I do think he's got to kind of play to his lane a little bit where Sami Zayn's more versatile, but I'm not sure versatility gets you to a uh, higher level of stardom necessarily, right? It's not like Steve Austin could do everything either, and he's the biggest star in the history of the business. No, I so, mean, he was shitting the bed with the ringmaster. Yeah, so I, I think while it's it's great that Sami Zayn can do everything, and that's kind of the one accolade I'll give him over MJF, I just don't trust WWE to do what they need to do to get him to where MJF I know is going to be. Matt, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this from the standpoint of, do you think that WWE right now sees MJF as a bigger star than Sami Zayn in terms of like, if they were both hitting the free agency market, who would they pay more money to right now? And right, and I'm saying right now, we're not even projecting a few years down the road. I think it's a tough call, right? So right now, if both of them were on the free market, I think WWE would pay more for Sammy because Sammy is a proven commodity. In WWE's eyes, and, and this may have changed under the new regime, but in the past... Until you've made it in WWE, you haven't made it, right? That's the thing we've seen time and time again with anyone that ever jumped ship from NWA, WCW, etc. So I can I could see a scenario where WWE would pay more for Sammy because Sammy is a proven commodity on their product with their fans. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I hate, I hate to agree with you there, Matt, but you're kind of right. I think that WWE might look at MJF and be like, oh, that's that kid that cuts good promos for that pissant company. Sami Zayn's selling merch like crazy and pops ratings, so I think we're going to go with Sami Zayn. I that's can see that being right. their mindset. However, I don't know, just... Depending on like who they would pay more for, I don't know if that necessarily translates to who is more popular in the fan base. Um, well, and it's just a thought exercise I want to... So uh, let me rephrase this argument in another way, too. I think that I mentioned earlier that MJF is good at specific things. Sami Zayn is good at everything. Um, but I do think MJF is good at the things that Triple H... MJF reminds me a lot of Triple H, actually. When you look at his in-ring work, his style of promo, all of that stuff, 
I don't have any insider knowledge. Andrew, maybe you get your sources on this, figure out what, what the chatter is. I feel like Triple H would love MJF. Like, to me, he just strikes me as a Triple H guy. Oh, 100%. I, I think if he the, walks through that door, it's the rocket ship on his ass, um, where they've had Sami Zayn, you know, in the building for years now. I, I guess that's kind of what... That was the what I was trying to pose with that question of who gets more in the open market is... I actually think that it's a safer bet that WWE pushes MJF to the moon than Sami Zayn to the moon. Yeah, and really, I think that poses the question of what's WWE willing to pay? I don't think that I could comfortably vote for MJF here unless I was confident that he would go to WWE. I think whether WWE capitalizes on Sami Zayn's popularity or not is besides the point. I think he's going to be a big, big star going forward as long as he stays a a baby face, which I recognize that he's acting like a heel, but somehow he's a baby face right now. And if he stays on that trajectory, he's going to be one of their biggest draws. I just worry that the way he's a baby face, it reminds me a lot of like Rusev Day. Or we've seen kind of things like this in the past where guys have gotten really over, made shit work. Um, Damian Sandow comes to mind too. And I know it's a different regime, but we've seen in the past where guys have gotten things over that shouldn't be over, and WWE just shits on it immediately once they're done with it, you know? So yeah, I, but I this do doesn't feel like really an accident. Over. This feels like they're leaning into it, which is a good sign. The other thing, Alec, look at look at black and gold NXT under Triple H. How many things happened there that were kind of happy accidents that somebody turned into gold that they ran with? Right. That was par for the course down there when he was in control. So I've got to imagine that's how things are going to be done on the main roster. I really hope so. I, I think for me, what I just keep coming back to is. MJF is unsullied in terms of like, he doesn't have all the baggage that Sami Zayn had. I just, I, I feel really confident that we all agree. MJF's a generational talent. I think we all agree that he's got true crossover potential in a way that most of the guys in the industry don't. Sami Zayn is one of the other people who kind of has that, but I, I just feel like I look at MJF as more of a, clean diamond if that makes sense all right let's uh let's go ahead and take the vote alec it sounds like you've made up your mind start with you yeah i'm gonna go mjf i i just don't know how you can project out into the future and not see him as the number one guy andrew oh god um i don't know if i want to vote i think uh I think on the basis that that MJF is likely going to be in AEW for at least three or more years, I think I got to vote for Sami Zayn. Oh, man. I'm about to ruin someone's day. I, I do want to pose the question. <laughs> so we're not believing the uh, contract deadline that MJF keeps talking about. We actually think he signed an extension and not just got more money to come back 
I think regardless of if he has or hasn't, I think AEW is going to offer up a lot more money than WWE will. And he's going to end up with AEW for a little while longer. I could if see they're that. in a position to offer more money. I feel like the money's got to be there for, for MJF. Yeah. I mean, yeah, MJF's a, a generational talent. If you can't make the money for him, like, what are you doing? But it also poses the question, too, when we say money, it's not just what the wrestling company will offer. It's MJF's made it clear he wants to do Hollywood, wants to do all these other things. Does he run the math on it and say, well, WB is offering me half, but I think I can make 60% more just off of other stuff. I don't know if it's cut and dry that he's going to get more money from AEW is what I'm saying. But I, I hear the argument. I think it's a fair point. Uh, I think it's time for me to give my vote. Yeah, sorry. I'm going Sami Zayn. Alec is not pleased. God damn, he's the one, you know? I would not have expected... <laughs> MJF is the two and Sami Zayn is the one. I wouldn't have expected this either when we started this, but just looking at the scenario of who would WWE value more today on the open market, it's Sammy. And even if MJF's contract for the AEW does expire in 2024 and he goes to WWE... Okay, we don't know when in 2024 that is. That could be December. So he debuts in January of 25 in WWE. Okay, he's not going to be, I don't think, as high up as Sami Zayn's going to be that quick. And that's best case scenario. Yeah, I I guess for me, I'll I'll leave it with this on my end. Um, I I just think MJF's going to go supernova here in the next year and a half. I really do. I I think we're about to see a stone cold like ascension. Um, I just don't think they don't make him like MJF. Uh, He's a true one, one blue chip. He's QB one first pick in the draft kind of guy. I I just think he's a can't miss prospect, but you know, credit to Sami Zayn for, Winning hearts and minds. Uh, speaking of winning hearts and minds, next one up, Becky Lynch and Austin Theory. Uh, I'll go ahead and start this one. You know, we talked about this last week. Becky is a generational talent. She's made it higher than any woman in the industry. Um, she's done things that prior to her doing them were were unexpected for a woman in the, in the industry to it, do. Inconceivable, I would say. I yeah. never would have thought I would see the day that you would have women main event at WrestleMania. Like, like not as a gimmick, like a real main event. Like, that yeah. was what we wanted to see, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's probably going to happen again coming up pretty soon. Um, I, I expect it to happen again. And probably with Becky also. I... Becky is Becky still has mileage um, to go. I don't see her slowing down by 2025. I think she's still going to be going uh, at the top of the game. And theory on the other hand is just getting started. I think he has a ton of potential. I think he's going to go a lot of places. I think he's going to be the next. I don't necessarily see him as the next Cena or Roman, but he's the next Orton. You know, he's he's up there. He's like number two or three uh, below whoever that top guy is. But 
the problem is, is Becky's the number one woman. And I think she's going to continue to be. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't want to prematurely start the shitting on Austin Theory because I know Andrew's, you know, kind of cornered that market. But I just don't see it with him, man. I really don't. Um, He's got a great look. He can talk, sure. But we're talking about Becky freaking Lynch here. Like it's this is the big leagues now, right? You, you're not going up against fucking Jungle Boy anymore. This is Becky Lynch. She's main event at WrestleMania once before. She'll probably do it again. I think me not being sold on theory, taking that away, there's a question as to how high can Becky Lynch get without being a babyface? Like how? How at the top of the industry can you really be as a heel? I think that's an interesting question. Roman's proving you can be at the tippity top, but he's also kind of a baby face. Um, so I, I don't know. I'd be curious to see is Becky going to turn face or is she going to stay heel? That maybe could be the argument where if it's so well, if you thought that Austin Theory could be a top baby face, you're always going to give the baby face the nudge over the heel. Um, but I, I just don't, (laughs) I'm just not a theory guy, I guess is, is where I'm coming from here. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a big, I'm not a big theory guy either. Um, I don't know. I don't think that he, look, he does have a good look. He, but that's kind of it. I feel like in WWE, all you have to do is look really good and they'll fucking strap a rocket to you. But I don't really know what else he has that makes him special. I mean, his his mic skills are fine. Uh, There's a million guys who can do infinitely better promos than him. Um, And then in the ring, I mean, his moveset is smooth, but he has no unique you know, attributes in the ring. I don't really know his moveset the way that like, you know, when I was a kid, like you could name like 30 different things that Rob Van Dam or Eddie Guerrero would do in the ring that would make them special. Could you could say that for even somebody who has a more basic moveset like Randy Orton, there's so many unique moves that he does. What does Austin theory do that makes you go? Oh, like that's an Austin theory move. He, he just doesn't have that. Like, yeah, and I just don't, I think he's got a long way to go. And I'm not saying that he can't, he's got a long way to go. I he, don't think that two muscles, years is enough. His muscles and a quick wit, which is, I get it. Like that's what Cena was, but Cena is also a really special kind of work ethic personality that you just don't, you know what I mean? Cena, he had that special something. So that's what you have to bank on with theory, right? That he's got that special something that we just haven't seen yet, like behind the scenes. Yeah, no, that John Cena comparison is actually really good. It feels like he's in this weird in-between of like where John Cena was before he started rapping on TV. Uh, obviously, he's he's uh, getting pushed a lot further than John Cena was at that time. But that's sort of what he's wearing a similar gear and just being kind of basic. And he doesn't have anything special yet that makes you like go, oh, that's Austin Theory's thing. His thing is A-Town Down, which is just a catchphrase that means absolutely fucking nothing. He's got a great gimmick in the sense that he's like a Zoomer and everybody fucking hates Zoomers. So that's like a good heel gimmick. 
Um, he's the first one, and he, I'm sure he won't be the last one who kind of like plays into that. Um, so I, I do kind of think his character is a little bit fun. But if we're talking about Becky freaking Lynch. Let's. Yeah, the woman that, 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 I mean, there was a lot of talk at the time that they main evented WrestleMania that WWE was going to go for an all-women's main event no matter what, just because they had Ronda Rousey. And initially, the idea was that it was going to be just Charlotte and Ronda. And they were on a collision course for that whole thing going up in fucking smoke before Becky Lynch showed up and somehow made it the actual best match on the card where... Not only were the women main eventing, but everybody on the planet wanted them to main event more than anything in the world. Yeah, Becky's the last one to go Inferno. Um, what I you don't see people go Inferno too often, right? You're talking about before that it was probably Daniel Bryan with the Yes Movement, Punk in 2011. Um, it's rare, man, to see like even as great as Roman is, he hasn't gone Inferno the way Becky went, right? Where it was like this is there's no one booing her. You know what I mean? I just, I, I know this isn't like a legacy award, but it's hard for me to imagine like anyone getting to that level, right? You can't bet on something like that because not every, it's every what five, six years you have someone kind of boom that way. Like maybe one person every five to 10 years. Yeah. And who would have thought Becky Lynch of all people would have been the one I think. Well, we were everybody on the that liked for Becky Lynch. I'll say that. But. Everybody liked Becky Lynch, but you know, I don't think anybody expected her to, to just be come out of the yeah to, <laughs> <laughs> to turn into fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin. It, it's crazy to think that that happened at the time that it did, and it happened so like organically and naturally. Like she turned heel, and everybody was just cheering because they were so excited that Becky Lynch was getting something to do, and then she just started trash talking, yeah. and everybody was like, "Oh my god." This is the best thing on TV. And that yeah. it just kept spiraling. But look, Austin Theory is just fighting way out of his weight class on this one. I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I think it's a similar symptom of the first round. The The gap between the two is just too damn great. Yeah, I can't visualize it. So let's go ahead and take the vote. Um, I'm going to start off because I think mine is not surprising. That's Becky Lynch. I'm also going to go with Becky Lynch. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just draw the wrong seed. Uh, I'm going to go with Becky Lynch. All right, so Becky Lynch moves on. Next up, we've got Braun Breaker and Jungle Boy. Who wants to uh, take this one? Um, I don't mind starting. Uh, This is tricky because there's so much uh, guessing that I think has to be done about where these guys could go and what they could accomplish. I think WWE is planning on fast-tracking Braun Breaker. Uh, So even though my preference here is Jungle Boy, it's hard to try to put him above Braun Breaker in this case because he just has a bigger platform to try to reach superstardom on. That being said, I think Jungle Boy has that sort of Daniel Bryan-type quality or Bryan Danielson-type quality where... I, I just think people are going to fall in love with him no matter what. And I think if Braun Breaker tries to go to the main roster as a babyface, uh, that there's potential for him to be rejected for quite a while before he finally gets his groove. Um, I just don't think that Jungle Boy is the kind of guy that has that issue. I don't. I think that if he wanted 
he can basically do anything and people are going to love him. I think it's something that we talked about in the previous round uh, when we got to Jungle Boy is that it doesn't really matter if he's Jungle Boy or not. People love him. Um, so I, this is tough. So for me, I, I don't have a whole lot to contribute other than what you just said, Andrew. I, I feel like Jungle Boy is one of those guys that throw the gimmick out. Jack Perry is a star. He's going to be a big star in wrestling. And he's going to be kind of... I envision him as being a Daniel Bryan-esque character in which the fans just love him no matter what, and they're going to support him, right? He's You look at him, and size-wise, he's obviously a lot smaller than Braun Breaker, but he's the underdog, and he's probably always going to be the underdog. But in wrestling... The underdogs sometimes shine a lot. Whereas, you know, a Braun Breaker type, a big muscly dude, there's a lot of those. Um, I don't want to go as far as to say they're a dime a dozen, but you're not as special as someone like a Jungle Boy. You could make the argument in modern wrestling, you maybe it's flipped the... Right, because we've gone so much more towards the Jungle Boy work rate type guys where someone like a Lesnar is so much more of an attraction because you just don't have a lot of big dudes like that. Not saying Braun Breaker is that, but it could work in his favor that he's... It, it could work in his favor to get over that he's bigger, whereas in the past it would have been like a knock against you from like the hardcore fans. Yeah, this is a tough one because my my head wants to say Braun Breaker because, look, he's got the pedigree. He can work. He's still green as all get out, right? But we've seen in the year and a half or almost two years now that he's been on NXT, he's gotten a lot better. And I think WWE is going to let him simmer in NXT for a while before they bring him up. They're going to make sure he's ready. I don't think they're going to hot shot. I think they were they were trying to hot shot him around WrestleMania um, and realized, mm, not yet. Let's not do that. And I think that was the right call. But my my heart is telling me that it's Jungle Boy. I think a big argument you can make for Jungle Boy and we haven't seen this from Braun Breaker yet, is that Jungle Boy's got... Look, it, it sounds crazy to say, because neither one of these guys are a big star yet, but I feel like Jungle Boy's got more of that kind of innate star power. Like, he's got more crossover potential, for whatever that's worth. We throw that around a lot, and like, you know, maybe two out of every generation are like truly crossover type stars. But I do think jungle boys got a chance for that. Whereas I don't really see that with Braun. I don't see that kind of charisma. Um, but you wouldn't have said Brock Lesnar had that kind of charisma. And sometimes when you're just a special athlete that, that can kind of get you over the hump. But I think that's maybe like an argument for jungle boys that he's got that Hollywood feel. Like he's definitely very well, sure. presentable. I mean, he's yeah, Luke he's, Perry's son. Yeah, <laughs> he, he he's got that pedigree going for him. Whereas, uh, it's clear that Braun Breaker is you know a Rick Steiner, right? He's got everything he does in the ring looks 
believable. Even when he's fucking shit up, it's like he just looks like he can kick ass, you know. So I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of pick your poison right here because they're I think virtually the same age, um, virtually the same amount of experience. Are we uh, are we ready to vote? I don't know because I don't feel like I know who I want to vote for yet, and I don't think either one of y'all convinced me. Okay, what do you need to hear to be convinced? What 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 argument? What point are you missing that you need to be able to go one direction or another? I guess it's tricky for me because I still haven't seen. I still haven't seen Jungle Boy. We Braun's got a very um he's got a gimmick where you can be world champion with that gimmick. And I can visualize Jack Perry working as something else, but it's kind of harder when you don't you aren't seeing it yet, you know? Like Jungle Boy's got all the in-ring stuff down, and I think he's got a great personality, but we haven't seen him present a character that's scalable. Whereas it's kind of the opposite with Braun, where he's maybe a little bit greener in the ring, but his character is very scalable right now. You know what I mean? We're seeing the formula for this is what it's going to be like when he's a really big star. It's going to be pretty similar to what it is now, just hopefully sharper on the mic, sharper in the ring, those kinds of things. So I almost feel like there's maybe more projection with Jungle Boy, despite him being undoubtedly more polished in the ring. Okay. Uh I mean I'm ready to vote. Alec, did you It sounds like you convinced yourself. Yeah, I think I did. I'll I'll start us off. Um I'm going to go with Braun Breaker. Like I said, I I'm I think it's when the margins are this tight, it helps to see a presentation or package that I know is going to be scalable to that superstar level. So I'm going to go with Jungle Boy. Uh, I know that's an odd choice, but I I feel like Jungle Boy could be a very big breakout star, more so than what Breaker might end up being. Um, I am going to go with Braun Breaker. I wanted to vote for Jungle Boy, but I had to employ similar logic to why I chose Sami Zayn over MJF. I don't see Jungle Boy leaving AEW, and I think that that could potentially hold him down, even if he becomes a breakout star in AEW. I think Braun Breaker is on the fast track, whether he's going to be ready for it or not. He's on the fast track to stardom in WWE. And yeah, you know he's going to get the opportunity, and that yeah. that's a big part of this. It's... <laughs> Braun seems like one of those guys that by 2025, I think that they're already penciling him in to be like main eventing a WrestleMania or something. So it's, it's, I want to vote for jungle boy, but I can't in good conscience do that. I think that Braun breaker is clearly the winner here. I do want to like pay some respects to the fact that we've just slaughtered all the AEW people like out of this bracket, including MJF. If MJF's not going to be able to advance through this bracket, I guess none of the AEW people are going to make it to the, you know, elite eight or so. I think in the last few months, AEW has solidified where their status is. Yeah. Losing punk hurt them bad. 
just all that drama in general made them yeah. look dumb. But they, they just don't have the credit. I, I think the drama, yes, but not having Punk there to work with MJF really hurt MJF's scalability. And that kind of trickles down to the whole card, right? So then if MJF can't get to where he needs to get, then how's Jungle Boy going to work off MJF to get where he needs to go? And I, I feel like it trickles down throughout the whole show, not having that flag bearer for the company. It's like some sort of weird version of uh, trickle-down economics. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's move on to the next one. Finn Balor, Montez Ford. God damn it. This one's so tricky because what we've seen from Balor over the last couple of weeks has completely flipped the script. We were toiling, you know, pulling the curtain back. We were toiling whether or not to even include Finn Balor at his age, given how he'd been used when we started breaking down the potential bracket several weeks ago now. But things have changed so much in WWE and so much for Balor. Dude, his match at Extreme Rules was amazing. We've always known that he's got, like, true star potential. Mm -hmm. Problem is, you get into your early 40s, and you're, you know, losing every match that you're in. It's kind of hard to, you know what I mean? He's got a lot of baggage. But if they book you like an AJ Styles, who's also in his 40s, and you are booked like a winner all the time, not necessarily winning every match, but you're booked strong... It's an entirely different situation, and that's, I think, what we're seeing with Finn Balor right now. They're booking him strong. Yeah, I mean, Finn Balor could peak in the next year or so and have one of those AJ Styles-type runs with the world title and then slide back down on the card and start helping elevate guys until he's ready to retire like AJ has. But that would put him in in prime position to be a top star in 2025 if they go that route. I've always said that Finn Balor is every bit as he's like AJ Styles with a better uh, with better marketability, you know, like he's AJ Styles, but he's just a better looking dude, better physique, a little bit taller. Like, I, I do think he presents better. So there's no reason why if AJ Styles is able to get over the way he is, I think Finn Balor's every bit as talented and then he's got some of that, you know, some of those other things that you can't teach yourself you know that you have to just be born like a good looking dude and he's too legit to quit yeah way too legit to quit they obviously i always come back to he won the universal title in his first main event or his first main roster pay-per-view match you know like obviously they saw supernova type star potential with him and it's, it's hard to ever get too far away from that, right? No matter how far he's fallen, it's always like, well, he's a former world champion. So we love Montez Ford, but it's far from a guarantee he'll ever be a world champion, right? Like They don't I mean, just hand is... out world championships like candy. Sometimes they do, but <laughs> I think the they're starting to get away. Yeah, I think they're starting to get away from that. I mean, <laughs> fucking Roman's held the belts for two years now, so... I mean, I think if you apply the same argument to this match as we have so far this whole episode, Finn's a proven commodity. Montez Ford is not. Not that Montez Ford is not great. I think Montez Ford is is amazing. And I think he is 
a future main eventer in the company for sure. But if you look at two and a half, two, two years from now, mm-hmm. who's going to be the guy at the top? Is yeah, it going to be? Hasn't even had a singles run. No, like I mean, he's got a long way to go. A long mm-hmm. way to go. This may be another one of those situations where the gap is just too great to justify the the, the idea that Montez Ford would close and exceed the gap between them in such a short time. What's the confidence level that Finn Balor is in WWE in two and a half years? Maybe that Finn's, feel like, feel like he's going to eat till he's done. I see no reason why he would go in so, on some artistic endeavor to to put on great matches in the indies when he can put on classic matches in WWE. Right, but I mean, he's and make an insane paycheck at his age. Once you hit forty, you have to start asking the question. Okay, well. I mean, the guy's got a lot of miles, a lot of, you know, strong style matches in Japan under. Yeah. The guy's got a pretty long bump card, you know, so maybe that could be the argument for Montez Ford is just the youth factor. But kind of like also a CM Punk thing, you have to you have to be in the business in order to, you know, move on. So are we confident Balor's going to be wrestling still? I think, I so. think so. I'm just I'm just posing the question. Just throwing yeah, it and I, I think that the the age for Montez Ford actually hurts him in this case because while I think WWE sees a ton of potential in in him, the smaller guys always take a lot longer to finally get pushed. Unless you're a Braun Breaker or a Roman Reigns, you don't get pushed to start him in in you know a year. Sometimes it happens, but very seldom. Um, and I think that they may see that Montez Ford is only 30, 32 and be like, eh, well we can take our time with this. Yeah. The Cody Rhodes thing where it was yeah. like, you knew WB for years. The attitude was if we're ever in a pinch, you know, you can push Cody Rhodes into the main event. And it's sometimes that works in your favor. Like with the Kevin Owens where they were in a pinch, it's like, all right, put the fucking belt on Owens. But sometimes it kind of goes the Cody Rhodes route where you end up doing stardust because they've got nothing for you and they don't want to like, they don't want to burn the moment. You know, I could definitely see them waiting on the Montez Ford things. It's like, Oh, we got this big moment. Let's save it. Don't blow your whole load this year or this mania, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, let's go ahead and vote. Uh, I think I'm ready. Uh, for me, it is Finn Balor. I'm going to go with Montez Ford. Uh, just because I think that while I like what I'm seeing from Balor right now, uh, I do think they are high enough on forward where you can pencil him in to get a big singles push. We'll see where that takes him, but I think he can get to where Balor is right now. So you'd have to project that Balor's going to hit higher heights and I'd far from a sure thing. Yeah, I started as we were voting, talking myself into a corner, uh, trying to remember Montez Ford is married to Bianca Belair. And while that shouldn't matter (laughs) in WWE, that can sometimes matter a lot. And I could see them looking at that as a possible power couple type dynamic that can get them a lot of, of clout. And they may, they may use that to their advantage. Um, and push him sooner than than we think. Uh, 
think I'm going to go with Montez Ford. <laughs> I'm glad we gave Finn his flowers before we fucking send him to the curb. <laughs> so Montez Ford moves on. Look, I mean, Finn, Finn's just a mid-carter right now. He really, You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of where I got caught up was, was like, well, it's not like Ford has to go that far to... To get to that level. When you said that, I I was like, hmm. I was was kind of reconsidering. Yeah, we were talking about Finn the way we want him to be used. Maybe not necessarily. I mean, he's being used like he's important right now, but he's also in a faction that has a shelf life. So, yeah. But real quick, we haven't really talked about the Judgment Day in the context of this tournament, but... I don't think that Finn is the star coming out of that group breaking up. He's probably number four coming out of that group breaking up, right? Like, I think Rhea's the star of the group. I think they want to make Dom a star from that group. And I actually think that Damian Priest has been the true breakout star of the group. I don't think the group is really ele- elevating Finn, I guess is what I'm, I'm getting at. It, yeah, it does feel like he's he's doing his best to get the most out of it, but he was clearly added to that team to make everybody else a star. Right. And exactly. not the other way around. Yeah, that's where the... Yeah, I I think we made the right call here. We booked ourselves into a shoot, brother. <laughs> Let's move on. Next one is Bailey and Brian Danielson. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. I mean, these are two great stars, but I just feel like this is a silly conversation to even be having. I think Brian Danielson got ahead because he was up against, uh, what, CM Punk prior to this, yeah. uh, who we were not even confident was going to wrestle. But I'm still not even confident that Daniel Bryan will be wrestling in two years. And Bailey is the absolute top of the top female stars that they have in WWE. She's versatile. She can do anything. Um I'm I know we're play. not we're not ready to vote yet, but I mean, I come Shoot on. Shoot your shot, buddy. Listen. Bailey is the most entertaining woman on Raw right now. I know everybody likes Bianca Belair, but I, I always enjoy my heels on TV and it the fact that she can be so entertaining and so booable as a heel and we also know that she can be the absolute tippy top baby face if she ever wanted to. That I mean, she has that. Alec has mentioned it before. She's one of those people that has that certain thing that you can't really describe. I'm gonna play devil's advocate here because I don't think this is as far as a runaways you're making it out to be in the sense that. Look, Brian Danielson has a shelf life to his career. Yes, however. When his AEW deal ends, if he did want one last run in WWE, you know what would happen if he came into WWE? He'd be at the top of the fucking card. <laughs> like, let's be realistic about Brian Danielson has hit heights that I don't think Bailey's ever going to, sadly. I love Bailey, and I think she's got the potential. They've, you know, dropped the ball with her one too many times for me to really put trust into it. So I, I do think there's a path for Brian Danielson to go back to WWE for a three-match run, main event of WrestleMania kind of a thing, I think that could happen. I don't think it's going to. I think it could. So I do think there's an argument to be made. But, Andrew, you are right. Bailey is the best thing on Raw right now, hands down. So she's already where you need her to be. 
But if Brian Danielson came back to Raw next week, all I'm saying is he would be the biggest star in Raw. So I just don't see Brian Danielson being around to the level he is now in 2025. And I think Bailey is. And I think to me that's that sums it up for me. So uh, I vote Bailey. I also vote Bailey. Yeah, I'll vote Bailey. And Bailey moves on. Next up, we're down to the final two of this round. Uh, this one, uh, this last week has really colored what this one's going to be, I think. Gunter and Bray Wyatt. Somebody please take this one because I'm not going to start it. I feel like I've started a lot of these, but I'll, I'll, I'll go. Um, this is actually really tough. Um, Bray Wyatt, when, when we started this this tournament, we weren't sure if Bray Wyatt was going to come back. And obviously now we're, we're three weeks later and Bray Wyatt is undoubtedly back in a very big way. Um, he is one of the top attractions on SmackDown. He's certainly the one that they are pushing marketing-wise right now. Um, the question is, where does this go? Uh, to Gunter's credit... He's putting on banger after banger after banger with Sheamus. That being said, it seems like Sheamus is the one that's becoming a star from this and not him. So this is a really, this is a toss up of of where we think things are going to go. I think either one of these guys could be world champions in the future. The, The thing is right now is that Bray Wyatt is a proven commodity in WWE and he's proving it again that he's the most um, important person on TV and that he's doing some of the most entertaining segments that everybody's talking about. And that's not what Gunter is doing. So it's, I feel like I'm going to have a hard time trying to, trying to justify uh, voting for Gunter here. The, look, they're both rare talents. Like they're both very unique talents. So I think this is actually a very interesting matchup. Um, WBUE, the reality is they don't have a lot of guys like Gunther. Um, he's, uh, he, he's that true, like monster heel. And this is what I was saying earlier, Matt, when we were talking about, you know, in the past being a little guys worked against you. Um, I, I definitely think that there's just not a lot of guys with a frame like that in the modern landscape. And so, if you want to tell an underdog story, he's kind of the perfect guy to plug in, to be that transitional champion, to be that heel that you can always go to, to add legitimacy to an underdog story. So I, I see a lot of potential with Gunther, and he also doesn't have the baggage that Bray has in terms of we've seen a lot of miles and we've seen a lot of stories play out. And I don't know. I, I guess there uh, maybe I worry a little bit of, with Bray on the shelf life of, any of the gimmicks that he's done. They, it hasn't been a good track record of consistently being over. You know what I mean? Like his stuff runs its course, whereas I feel like Gunther could have a really long run if he wants to. Just the same as he is without having to revamp things. Yeah, I see Gunther as a long-term utility guy where he's someone that you can easily slot in to be a a monster heel 
against somebody or i mean like they could probably turn him face and it would work yeah um, he reminds me a little bit of like a cane you know yeah he's just that when you need a big guy who can go you can put him wherever you know i could easily see him getting the wwe title or the universal title i don't think he's gonna have it to the extent that a roman reigns has it but I definitely think he's going to be up there. Yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he is in the main event of WrestleMania in two and a half years just because the way things shook out that year, right? He's dropping the belt to someone. and Right. Then again, it could, could happen. Okay, Bray Wyatt was that guy back in 2017. Yeah. Uh, he had the belt going into WrestleMania and dropped it to Randy Orton at WrestleMania. And I remember at the time when Bray won the belt, we were all like, oh, this is awesome. Bray got the belt. And it was just, it felt weird. It just didn't, it didn't feel right. And I don't know, like right now, if I think about Bray, Bray's an attraction for sure. I don't know that Bray's the kind of guy that needs a belt, right? Like I don't necessarily, in my mind, I don't think I'd put Bray up for the belt anytime soon. Let his own attraction storylines happen and play out. Um, but Gunter's kind of the same deal. Like Gunter doesn't need a belt to be legitimate. He, he doesn't, but I think it's a part of his character. The ring is sacred and he wants to hold championships and, and be, you know, yeah, the leader of, of the ring. I actually think it would go a long way to legitimize him. I, I do think if they want to really get the most out of Gunther, they give him the belt at some time in the next couple of years. I, I think it'll put him in a different place. Like I do think it'll move him into a new category than where he's at now. Oh, sure. And I, and I think he's going to, like I said, I think he'll get the belt. I think he'll have a couple runs with it. By the time all is said and done, Gunther will have a handful of runs with the main belt or belts, whatever. Um, but Bray is just on another level right now especially just coming back and well, granted, we've only seen him talk for like a minute. So let's sure, but he's <laughs> still the most talked about thing. And all he's done is talk for a minute. Um, and I think that's going to continue for a while. Like to your point, Alec, that might fizzle out in a year. I, I don't know. I think Gunter's the more steady guy, right? Think of the, the, the tortoise and the hare. Okay. Bray's all over the place right now. Yeah, it looks Bray like Bray burns bright. I just right. worry. Is he going to burn too bright? Yeah, is he going to go be a writer in Hollywood or something in a year? Or, you know, what's he? I, I don't know. You just never know what he's thinking, where his head's at, what, what the long-term plan is for him. It's a lot of projection. Mm -hmm. He's like a lottery ticket, I guess, is kind of the argument I'm making. He could be a big winner or it could be nothing. I want to advocate for Gunther too, in the sense that I actually like his in-ring work a lot more than Bray's. Um, Bray's a great character worker. He's obviously a super creative guy. Gunther is excellent in the ring. Like I, I think he's really under... I mean, you can say Sheamus has gotten himself over. I think a lot of that actually... A lot of the praise falls on Gunter in terms of what he's been able to do in the ring getting these matches. We've seen Sheamus have lots of bad matches. Um, and Sheamus can go, but I, you need the right dance partner. I, I think Gunter is like a top tier 
worker. Like, yeah, I really do. Um, we haven't really gotten to see like that marquee singles, you know, Dave Meltzer five star match yet, but I know he's capable of it. I actually don't think Bray's got that gear in the ring, which is fine. You don't need that, but I don't know. I think there's a little bit of potential there too. That he could have like a star making type match. Um, you know, get over in the ring the way like a Nakamura did. Uh, whereas I, I don't think that's really Bray's bag. So, you know, that, that could be another argument for him. I think when it comes to these two, it's really more of what do you value more in a top guy? Is it the guy that is consistent in the ring and can go? Or is it the guy that's an attraction and that's enough for him? Uh, are we ready to vote? Yeah, I think we should vote. Andrew, start us off. Okay, I'm going to vote for Bray Wyatt on the basis that um, I think that whether he holds titles or not, he doesn't need them. He is an attraction. He's going to be selling merchandise like nobody else, and he's going to be popping ratings like nobody else. Uh, Gunter is great but I think that he is going to get lost in a sea of wrestlers like we've been talking about, Sami Zayn, Montez Ford, and Roman Reigns, other stars that are better than him. Bray Wyatt occupies a different place on TV than all those guys. And uh, until somebody can challenge him, I think Bray Wyatt's going to be a tippity-top guy in wrestling for years to come. Yeah, I'm going to go with Bray Wyatt as as well. I, I think you need to sell me on the upside of could you main event a WrestleMania, and I don't think that's in the cards for Gunter. It could certainly happen for Bray. I do want to push back, though, and say real quick, Montez Ford is not better than Gunter. That's a wild thing to say. So, you know, just throw a correction out there. But I, I kind of understand what you're saying. There are people who are maybe more over than him, but he is an elite, elite wrestler. Uh, for me, it's Bray Wyatt for all the reasons that we've said. I think Gunter is great. I think Gunter's going to have an amazing career, but Bray is on that another stratosphere. Um, I know it's kind of cliche to say it, but Bray is kind of this generation's undertaker, not because he's the dark, spooky guy, but because he's that attraction that it feels like gets more and more over as time goes on. So, all right. So Bray Wyatt moves on final match in this round, Kevin Owens and drew McIntyre. And I know Andrew has strong feelings on this one. I do. Um, that doesn't mean that this is an easy pick for me. Uh, I think Kevin Owens is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's just the most entertaining guy on TV. Um, whether or not you think his in-ring work is is the best or not is really irrelevant because uh, I think that he does work on the mic that is leagues above almost everybody else that he works with. Um, I think in in some arguments you could say that he can probably he could probably talk circles um, 
out of MJF even. And that's crazy to think about, but I do think that he could. I think that sometimes MJF talks and you're like, all right, dork, fucking move on. Um, whereas Kevin Owens, just everything he says feels very legitimate. Um, he has that sort of edge where he's not just making claims about who he is. He's proven it because he's been in the 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 industry for like 15 years. So, oh man, he's just, he's got that something, you know? Uh, Drew McIntyre obviously is great. They're pushing him to the moon. He's really entertaining. Uh, he's got every single thing that WWE looks for, and they're probably going to be giving him a world title again somewhere soon. So regardless of, of my feelings, I like both of these guys. I, this is a tough one because Drew McIntyre is clearly what WWE sees as their meal ticket right now. Um, I know this isn't the MJF uh vote but i I just i do want to push back on the whole uh saying kevin owens is more believable than mjf on the mic and like you shut up dork mjf is like an actual athlete like a d1 college football player great physique he's anything but a dork like kevin owens is is a nerd who grew up to become a wrestler mjf is like an actual like man so i'll just throw that out there but I you just know, think when he when MJF calls things mid and he thinks that he's like cool and hip for that, he actually sounds like a dork to anybody his age because I'm his age and I think that it makes him sound like a fucking dork. I just think MJF mid. is like an actual uh, I don't know who knows where the gimmick starts and where it ends with him, but he is wearing like Burberry shit, you know. Like I, don't, I it is weird for us to call MJF a dork. Yeah, no, I don't think he's he's like as a like uh, as a whole character, he's not a dork, but he does things that I, when he does it, I'm like, you're being a fucking dork, dude. Okay. You don't see that a lot with Kevin Owens. I find uh, MJF's promos really believable. I I think he believes the shit that's coming out of his mouth. So. In any case, I agree with you across the board and everything you said about Kevin Owens. I mean, he's CM Chunk. He just he he checks more of the boxes than anyone in WWE has since CM Punk left that place. He just does everything so freaking well. Um, insane star power, insane potential to grow even further. But I've been saying all, all along today, and McIntyre fits into this group, there's just not a lot of guys who are 6'5", 250 pounds walking the earth that can like work and have a passion for the business. And they Drew could be something big. I don't think the way they're going about it is going to get him there. But anytime I see someone with a physical profile like that, I instantly think, how can you make a Brock Lesnar out of this, you know? So we've seen what Brock Lesnar can do in terms of popping ratings and moving ticket sales. Guys with a certain level of athleticism, once you hit certain physical thresholds, you have like true attraction potential. Whereas Kevin Owens will never be an attraction in that way. But he did main event WrestleMania with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, yeah. I don't know. Kevin Owens is just one of those talents that I would stop short of calling him a generational talent, but he's definitely in the conversation. He's up there. I mean, he, the guy can do it all, right? He's, he's, a, he's, he's a lead at everything. 
Yeah. Right. He's amazing on the mic. He's one of my favorite promos in WWE. He's great in the ring. Um, he's one of those guys that definitely has that extra gear that he can kick it into. He doesn't do it on every match. So when he does do it, you know it. Um, and he's shown in time and time again, he's a company man. He can do whatever is needed. If it's going to be doing comedy bits, if it's going to be working with a legend to make sure he doesn't hurt them, he can do those things. Um, that said, though, McIntyre's kind of the same thing. You know, McIntyre's a company guy. He'll do, he's a utility player. If they need him to be world champ during a pandemic, sure. If they need him to be a mid-carder and feud with some new coming, new incoming person, sure, he can do that too. The thing about McIntyre is I'm never that excited to see him. And I don't know why that is. I think he's oversaturated. Like they've exposed him too much. You look at how they've used Braun Strowman in the past. You know, the key with Braun was they protected him in terms of he didn't have a lot of he wasn't working 20 minute matches every Raw, you know. And think about how excited you were to see Braun come out and like wrestle with a little kid at WrestleMania. It was like this fucking awesome. It's Braun Strowman. I don't think anyone's going to argue that Braun is better in the ring or on the mic than McIntyre is. Unless you no, are. It's just, it's just <laughs> that, you know, when I see Kevin Owens name on a card, I'm like, Ooh, okay. A Kevin Owens match. Right. I see Drew McIntyre and it's like, okay. Yeah. I, I think McIntyre needs to be protected a little bit more than, and it goes back to your point where Kevin Owens can do it all. He doesn't need to be protected. Kevin Owens can work 30 minutes every night and he doesn't lose any of his luster. Right. So, yeah, I guess maybe you kind of, kind of inadvertently <laughs> convinced me. I don't, I, the thing about McIntyre, do you get what I'm saying though about he is, if they ever wanted to stop, he could be an back, attraction. Be, yeah, exactly. He could be. But right now he's just, he's the workhorse that's out there week in and week out. Look what they did with Lashley. I think that's a good blueprint of Lashley's way less entertaining than McIntyre is. And they were able to make a big deal by just, you know, pulling back, having beat certain guys, have him booked in a certain way. I mean, like McIntyre is a big deal. I mean, look, he beat Brock Lesnar to win his first WWE championship. I mean, he's treated like a big deal. It's just... In comparison to Kevin Owens, it's like who would I rather who would I rather watch? If you told me right now, pick a match, you can watch a Kevin Owens match or a Drew McIntyre match. I'm gonna pick a Kevin Owens. And it's not a knock yeah. on Drew McIntyre in any way. I just find Kevin Owens to be more entertaining. Drew McIntyre would need a sort of late career change the way. I don't know if you remember when Batista went Hollywood in his last year and a half with the company before he left that first run, he really turned a corner in terms of his ability to entertain and like captivate from like a storytelling standpoint. McIntyre needs to find that gear, you know? Yeah. I like, agree. I, I guess I'm using Batista as the blueprint because they're both, he was another big guy who was booked strong and was undoubtedly over, but was always kind of boring, but he did hit that, Here's a. I think people forget a little bit about McIntyre when you're comparing him to Owens because they're about the same age, maybe a year or two difference. But Owens has been in the business for just so much fucking longer than McIntyre's been. And think about how much McIntyre's improved 
since he's started in WWE the first time since he came back after his hiatus when he was on the Indies. He's he is getting better. Like I do think he's getting better year over year. I don't think McIntyre has hit his peak. Yeah. But does he now, have that gear that Batista had where you know, he I, can turn that corner and become like a true star? I think he does. We just haven't seen it yet. But Kevin Owens, I feel like we we are seeing it. Yeah. Kevin Owens is such a known quantity, man. Like he might to your point, he might not be generational. But he's like a guaranteed A minus and has been an A minus for ten years and will be for another five years, you know. Yeah. It's not a lot of guys get to be an A minus. It sounds like it's a knock, but it really isn't. Yeah, like he's like a top five guy and has been a top five guy with four different other top five guys for a while, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like other people come and go, but he's just consistently like at the top of the card being entertaining. Andrew, you were kind of the highest on Owens. Do you see... I know he main evented with Stone Cold. So obviously that says everything you need to know about how people feel about him. But do you see another level for... Does he have another gear in him? You being the biggest advocate? Um, That really depends on how you look at it. I don't think that Kevin Owens has another gear in him necessarily. I just don't think that WWE has allowed him to really excel in his top gear. I think we've seen it multiple times, but it gets kind of snuffed out. Um, it really, it was, like, could he be, if CM they Punk, want, you know, yes, like, can he 100%. Get there? They just have to allow him to, they got to give him the opportunity to do it. I think that he has shown so many damn times that he can be a top star. Um, and he basically, he is, but they haven't let him cross over into main event in WrestleMania holding the world title and it it not just being because of, you know, a freak situation where they need to put the belt on somebody and then they're like, oh, fuck it, we want yeah. to get to Goldberg kind of bullshit. But he's almost too much of a utility player. Like when we were talking about, um, who was it earlier? Where uh, he's almost too much of a utility player in the sense that will he ever be like the main guy because you can plug and play him so easily. Sammy, Sammy Zayn's another one of those guys. I don't know if that's the, the example we used earlier, but Matt, I think it was someone you were going back and forth. Was it Gunter? No. Shit. <laughs> I can't even remember. Oh, I mean, like the point, the point remains. Um, yeah, I don't know who it was. I'm looking. No, down we the were list. talking about Montez Ford, where it's like maybe they hold them back because they know they've got that in their back pocket. I feel like that's been Kevin Owens' career, where it's like you know you can always put the belt on Owens, so let's not put it on him intentionally. Let's do it by mistake every time we do it. You know? Yeah, like, let's it, do it's it when frustrating, we're in a pinch, as opposed to like doing it the right way. They've never done it the right way with him. And it's frustrating because it feels like the only reason Drew McIntyre isn't champion is because Roman is holding the belts hostage. That being McIntyre said, McIntyre still hasn't had man. I know you said that like him beating Lesnar, but he still hasn't had. I mean, it was during COVID. He never got the run with the belt. Got to have these big feuds with the crowd where he could feel the energy. 
Oh no, he's he was robbed because his whole thing happened during COVID. And even like the Clash of the Castle or whatever, it's like I was buying he always gets me to buy in entrance during the match. Like the build is never quite there, but I always find myself buying in when I'm watching. By by the time the match builds up towards the end, yeah. you're behind McIntyre whether you wanted to or not. He's got I, I agree. it. Like he really does have it. I think where these two are almost very similar in a sense where it's who is WWE going to capitalize on more in the next two and a half years? That's a hard... Because I actually think they are pretty comparable in different ways, but I do think they both have the potential to be A-plus guys. It's hard because... I mean, clearly WWE is pushing McIntyre continually as an A guy, right? Mm -hmm. Kevin Owens is Triple H's boy. He's obviously going to be portrayed as an A guy. So... This may be the most toss-up of all of the matches tonight. Is there um, any Owens injury factor? He's a, one of those guys who's got a lot of miles on him. But so does McIntyre. McIntyre's been... Yeah, but Kevin Owens has had like injury history. Into, and you look at his physique and you wonder like how long is he going to be able to... He takes those scary bumps a lot, too. Like I feel like McIntyre's almost gonna be able to do what he's doing for till he's like fifty, you know. He's gonna mean? be a Randy Orton. Yeah. He's just But then again, I could see Owens doing this for another five, ten years. I just worry is Owens like a Mick Foley type where it's things no, just go wrong and he has to We're way past that. the Mick Foley stage for him. But he's that's the closest comparison in terms of the type of bumps that, that guy's taken. No one's taking yeah, bumps but, like him in WWE. Okay, but in modern WWE even taking the McFoley bumps is way different than the McFoley bumps when sure. Mick was taking. I'm them. just saying he's approaching forty. I wonder if that's like an angle to consider. I don't think forty years old to me at this stage is not what forty years old was twenty years ago in the business. I think these guys are taking care of themselves better. I think they're protecting their bump cards better. Um. I don't know that 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 the age he's one of the guys who isn't doing those things like he doesn't protect himself the same way I think he if you compare him to his indie run he is yeah well that's what scares (laughs) me the most is that he already had a laundry list of injuries coming into WWE and then yeah I mean you're I think you're right I just wanted to talk through it a little bit before I before I I'm gonna vote I'll stir off the voting. I'm going to give Kevin Owens the nod. I just wanted to talk through that piece before I mm-hmm. slap the sticker on him. <laughs> okay. Andrew, what do you got? Um, I'm going to go with Kevin Owens as well. Um, I, at this point I'm, I want to feel like both of these guys are equal, but the reason I'm going to give Kevin Owens the, the nod here is that I think that he has consistently shown that he can turn chicken shit into chicken salad. And I think if you give Drew McIntyre chicken shit, he will probably fail. Wow. All right. So that wraps up the round two brackets. So next week for round three, this is what we've got. Um, we got Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn, Becky Lynch and Braun Breaker, Montez Ford and Bailey, and then Bray Wyatt and Kevin Owens. So next week's going to be tough. Uh, and that is going to do it for us this week. Uh, if you would like to uh, rate us and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, that would be swell. We're also on Google, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, 
Amazon and I don't even know. We're anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe to us on all those platforms uh, and rate us. That would help out a lot. Uh, also, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook, Such Good Shit Pod. Please make sure you follow us there. Uh, and you can also drop us a line if you want to email me, uh, suchgoodshitpal at gmail.com. Do we have any uh, closing words before we uh, shut this down? I'm glad you said that they're going to email you because I'm not going to answer their questions. No, Unless I know. they're related to anything that's actually good. Wow. Okay. So I will triage yeah. those emails and decide if they are good. And then I can send them to you to talk to your, uh, your sources. Yeah. Uh, apologies to MJF. I, uh, I never would have thought he'd get knocked off tonight. So I, yeah. I'd be remiss if I didn't throw him a little funeral at the end here. Shock. He really was, uh, he did get screwed by his placement in this bracket, having to go up against Sami Zayn. Shock of the night was that for me. I honestly didn't think Sammy was going to go as far as he has, but honestly what's been happening on TV with him since we've started this bracket. I mean, yeah, you can't I'm argue this with is going to feel very 2022. <laughs> when we look back at this, but that's okay. We did our best. Yeah, we did. We sure did. <laughs>